Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Invincible Innovation Live Show. I'm so glad that you're here. We're di we'll dive into the world of cutting-edge technology and innovation. I'm your host, Adima Zolkario, product design and AI expert, and today we will explore the legal consideration and regulation surrounding AI for entrepreneurs. In this episode, we have a special guest, tech AI privacy and data protection lawyer, who will share insights and legal on the legal landscape of AI. Now let's dive in. Hi, Omer. Hi, good morning. Happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. On Omer Brandes is a tech AI privacy and data protection lawyer. And we're live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. And you're so invited to join the discussion and ask questions. Now we can start. So when we're talking about AI and legal, there are so many uh, new things that we need to consider. So what are the key legal considerations that entrepreneurs should be aware of when they are developing an AI product? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, as we all know, um, we're all in the same position, uh, sort of, because everyone's struggling to, um, to um, well understand or better understand the consequences of deploying AI systems um, and letting users uh, play around with these tools, but um, we are not 100% um, able to um, to make sure that the uses of such AI systems are not uh, being um, made for uh, you know uh, bad causes, um, and that's I think the 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 main concept of um, what should we uh, consider when um, providing any uh, AI tool uh, for for mass use. Um, we need to uh, find a way to figure out uh, what our end users um, going to do with these um, products because there are lots of bad things which could eventually happen um, when we release these kind of technology. Um, alongside, of course, with um, all the benefits and, and, and good things um, and good causes uh, we can uh, do with these tools. But we all, uh, I, I, as a lawyer and, uh, you know, um, govern uh, governments and, and um, tech policy um, regulators think of the, the um, worst case scenario and what could go wrong uh, when they uh, try to regulate the, the use of these tools. So I think the, um, the, the first thing we should um, take into consideration is that um, there's always a risks, uh, always risks associated with the use of AI tools, such as, you know, any, any uh, technology and, and um, probably any new technology introduced. Um, and as a disrupting technology, there's, there's lots of, um, of uncertainty about what should, what could be the consequences of using these tools. So, so um, when thinking of developing new tools, we need to think of um, the worst case scenarios and what could go wrong. Um, but not only about what could go wrong, but uh, also about how regulators um, see um, the, the potential risks um, of what we're doing. Um, even, even if we're very optimistic about um, the, good, uh, the goods and benefits uh, which could arise of our tool, we need to see what regulators uh, thought 
could, could go wrong and potentially we need to adhere and to uh, implement any um, any mitigation measures set by regulators now yeah what comes to my mind is like the latest technology that, that what comes to my mind in the last like 10 15 years is maybe social media and and it has been used for many good causes of course but uh, it influenced society from in a very big way especially western society and it had many bad qualities on on the you know on on the users and nobody seems to really pay any attention or maybe needs to be accountable that that's the word that comes to my mind and maybe when ai entrepreneurs think about things they don't really know what's going to be the end use and they are not sure that they will have any consequences with with that so what comes to your mind about like yeah maybe someone would ask us but we are not responsible for that Right, so accountability is a is a very major concept when when um, speaking of, of technology um, as a concept and, and AI in particular, um, we we did see um, very large fines and uh, consequences of um, of uh, misuse of social social media. For example, if we think of Cambridge Analytics. Uh, that's the, you know, uh, infamous uh, um, um, issue with how to manipulate um, uh, the public's uh, opinions. Um, so the same, the same goes here for for AI. Um, and entrepreneurs should should know that they could potentially uh, be held accountable for um, their uh, systems. Um, and if someone manipulates or uses their systems to um, to do any um, any harmful causes um, and to um, you know uh, potentially use these systems to um, to manipulate to uh, to discriminate to um, to deploy biases etc. Um, so the the um, entrepreneur or the uh, creator of the tool could, could potentially be held accountable if he uh, or she didn't take um, all, all relevant precautions and uh, um, risk uh, mitigation measures into account. So we do see uh, claims around these tools and, and these claims keep popping up each day. Uh, we we uh, initially saw uh, class a very large class action in California uh, brought against um, OpenAI and Microsoft and, and GitHub around uh, code generation, and then we saw uh, the same class action by by the same um, uh, plaintiff. Uh, actually, the same group group of people um, also claiming that stable diffusion and and uh, stability AI and, and image creation. Um, uh, models are uh, potentially infringing IP of creators, and now we see the same um, the same claims uh, being filed against ChatGPT um, and against Google Bard and Google, and and you know it, it's a very popular uh, trend um, to to go and file. Uh, these kind of actions against the uh, large tech companies, which 
provide us with these platforms and technology. Um, so we do see that people are trying to find who's accountable and, and trying to um, prevent these tools from uh, doing certain use of um, IP material, uh, personal data, or even any, any of our data out there. Um, so there's a struggle between innovation and, um, uh, and entrepreneurs trying to run, uh, run as fast as they can to, um, to provide us with these tools and, and, you know, the conservative approach, uh, saying that you can't do whatever you want because, uh, eventually for, um, for deploying and, and releasing these kind of AI products. You need to train these large models on our data, our personal data, our confidential data, our our code, um, etc. So we do see a struggle here, and and we do see uh, people who are trying to find who's accountable for for these um, so-called infringements. So this yeah, is a, when we're thinking about who's accountable. So there is a company, OpenAI, Google, Microsoft. These companies are entities, right? And they're supposed to be accountable for uh, use of data that they were not allowed to or for um, um, use of different data source that they were not supposed to or the output uh, that takes the talent and years of creation from coders or artists or musicians and they could do whatever they want. And we, we know right now there is a, um, I think uh, in, in Hollywood, uh, all, the, all the actors and writers and everyone are, are uh, against what's going on. And like, when you're thinking about people who created all these things for years and like all our culture, more or less, what could they do? They wouldn't go to, to Sam Altman and, and what would they do actually? So um, I think what we're seeing in Hollywood is a very good example. They, they are striking. They say, <laughs> we, we, we won't continue to uh, provide you with the content you, um, you are used to uh, get from us because you are about to replace us. Um, they don't, um, I, I, I don't think they are specifically trying to find any victim or, or any, anyone um, who's responsible for um their potential harm of uh, of their um occupations I, I i think they're trying to warn us that if we won't um be careful or uh provide them with any you know any other um uh, benefit mechanism of, of their work we're we're um we're not going to see them anymore and we're not going to enjoy their uh, their work anymore because um, you know they're, they're going to be replaced by uh, by machines by by algorithms. Um, so um, there is a thin line between finding uh, and accusing a, a specific person and and um, uh, trying to set him accountable for any harm and and um, protesting against the changes we we are going to see in in various industries. One of them is is uh, acting uh, profession. I think that they're they're not specifically trying to accuse any any specific person. Um, but if we're uh, 
if if we we'll uh, go back to the you know legal aspect of who's accountable, I think that if you are operating under a company, you could potentially also be um, be held liable uh, personally if you um, if you uh, did something or had to know something or had to prevent anything, um, and you uh, negligently um, ignored it and and didn't do or didn't put uh, the relevant um, risk mitigation measures in place. So these yeah. um, emerging regulations could also potentially uh, lead to uh, personal claims against entrepreneurs. But I think the the way uh, to get there is is very far. Mm. So when we're thinking about someone who's currently developing an AI tool or thinking about doing so, so how do privacy and data protection law impact the development and the use, what should they do in order to protect themselves? Right, so privacy and data protection is, is uh, I think, one aspect, and he, uh, this aspect is, uh, you know, getting to the headlines. Um, I think the reason for privacy and data security being discussed as, as one major concept is um, mainly because this issue uh, was heavily regulated and there are, uh, Lots of very strong uh, regulatory authorities, uh, mostly in Europe, which deals with these topics, and and these um, authorities uh, naturally responded um, uh, when seeing these new tools and and tried to stop and and to mitigate um, the potential um, uh, infringement of, of privacy uh, rights and and also data security. Uh, measures. So this is uh, one of these topics. This is a very important topic. Um, so I think when entrepreneurs think of how should we um, uh, design these kind of tools, um, there's a concept in, in privacy regulation um, titled privacy by design. And um, this goes uh, as well as um, to uh, data data security and data protection when uh, when designing a, a new technology entrepreneurs are um, are uh, expected to take into consideration privacy concept um, even if from the very first beginning from initiation of when designing uh, the product you need to think of how should uh, this product specifically collect personal data and if um, um, how should you um, how should you design the product to deal with personal data accidentally or not intentionally collected by your tool and provide the relevant um, uh, the relevant um, implementation of uh, privacy regulation into uh, your tool so I think, if uh, an entrepreneur takes the, uh, these concepts into account when um, when designing the, the, the new technology, it's you know it, it, it makes uh, things a lot easier in, in the sense that uh, if he uh, thinks ahead of what could um, be uh, what personal data could be involved and how should uh, the tool delete or um, not process uh, this data, 
it, it, it'll be very easy for him to avoid any risks um, yeah. associated with uh, personal data. It, it um, seems to me that this kind of like the GDPR elaboration, maybe maybe it's connected to that, is kind of easier for entrepreneur because they know what is the, the law saying. The law is saying that you need to protect the data of, that it passes through your system. And if it's a private data, it needs to be uh, um, placed in a specific database or a specific location, so forth, in order to protect it. And I think that this part might be in their awareness. But all the other parts of um, uh, IP infringement, right, using other people's talents and, and work and, and, uh, and maybe the impact of what they're doing on the end users, uh, for example, what is the system telling them to do to say the, uh, all the like protecting their their health, protecting their uh, well-being, while the creation of this output is not always mitigated by them. Sometimes they're using a third party in order to pay them, and then, for example, if I'm using a I know OpenAI API in order to use their engine, what does it say about me? Because they're like. It's their engine. I, I couldn't change it, right? right? So what does that say? Right. So I, I think the, the issue here is to identify all relevant uh, or all potential risks um, of the system we're designing and, and deploying. And it's also very relevant, as you said, as you mentioned, um, to understand what, what system do we use. If we use an existing system, uh, we're, we need to... Um, to combine the knowledge of what's technically available and what, uh, how uh, uh, su does such system operates and what are the legal, uh, potential legal risks associated with the use. So, so if you mentioned um, open, open AI's APIs, um, so we, we go to the, their um, terms of use and, and, and privacy statement, et cetera, and see what they declare of but we also need to be aware of uh, potential risks uh, not specifically discussed or, or presented by uh, these companies. So uh, if we talked about privacy and data security, there, there's, uh, a known, um, there's a range of known uh, risks out there when using uh, systems or creating these systems. So one of them is, is uh, privacy and data security. And also we, we know of uh, confidentiality issues um, of data flows uh, from end users into these systems. And we also know of ethical uh, issues um, such as biases and discrimination. Um, the use of, of such systems for automated decision-making is also um, a, a major concern because um, these types of uh, uses could potentially lead to, uh, to discrimination and lead to uh, unethical results, and uh, we we also know of, uh, as you mentioned, IP issues. Uh, if we uh, provide any any piece of content, whether it's text or image uh, or voice or anything else, uh, it could potentially infringe um, any other uh, any other uh, right owner of of IP right. Um, right. For example, if GitHub Copilot was trained of a very a large amount of um, code repositories um, placed in, in yeah. GitHub, 
open uh, source. Yeah, open source yeah. Uh, specifically. So, yeah. so there's there's an issue um, of potentially infringing any any uh, owner of this code. And specifically, if we talk about open source, um, even if we could potentially use open source uh, for these kind of um, of new developments, there's an issue with non-permissive open source components such as the GNU family um, and potentially the code generated by uh, GitHub Copilot um, could contain any pieces of code uh, which are um, prohibited to be um, um, to be exposed or uh, you shouldn't uh, include it in your code unless you reveal your source code. And, and if you're using this kind of code for uh, commercial use, uh, you know, that uh, could be devastating and, and could... Um, yeah. Um, can potentially um, contaminate your code. And even if you're using uh, permissive uh, source code components, you you could actually be uh, in an infringement of the, these license terms because you are required to include code attribution and, and credit for the original users. So there's yeah. a range of, of potential risks. And this is... Yeah, I, want, I want to talk about IP for, for one minute. You know, everyone who's using Midjourney knows that you could easily imitate any kind of artist in the world. Uh, you just need to know the name of the photographer or the illustrator or the painter, whoever. You just need to know the right name in order to imitate his work. Uh, same goes for uh, uh, sound and audio creation. You could decide who's the musician you want to you wanna, uh, imitate. The same goes for uh, any kind of writers or poets uh, that has been in the past till now. And it seems that right now it's like obvious I could use whatever. And the same goes for coding, right? So I'm taking all the years of people uh, in open code um, sharing of data. I wrote something in order for others to use. I didn't write it for someone to use instead of me, right? This is what, what's going on. So thinking about all the implications of all this talent and resources and really the, what people has created for so many years, and they could do whatever they want, right? Um, so uh, potentially <laughs> they couldn't do whatever they want. There, there are restrictions. Um, th there's a very interesting trend um, with regulators around the world saying that um, potentially a company or, or um, um, any entity developing a, a large um, large model for, um, let's say, image creation. Um, so potentially, uh, these kind of uh, owners could digest any anything they find online, even if it's um, if it, even if it's uh, an owned IP of, of any third party, um, because. This kind of use is allowed for uh, training a model and uh, potentially um, developing any any innovative technology. But uh, what's um, what's carved out from from these um, uh, main um, main um, uh, authorization to to do these kind of scraping or or digestion of IP is that you could not potentially uh, use these these models to imitate or to um, harm any any creators um, 
uh, cre any creation made by a specific creator, because uh, if you're doing so in order to replace or imitate or even impersonate to, to any specific uh, creator and, and try to take his work, you know, uh, we saw um, people um, releasing out um, songs uh, allegedly created by specific uh, songwriters and musicians, and these were not actually uh, created by them, but only trained uh, on, by these uh, creators' um, music. And these could potentially, you know, uh, take uh, um, take out <laughs> take them out of business. Um, so when regulators um, want to um, to encourage entrepreneurs um, to um, uh, to release innovative models, um, they they all they almost always say that there's a, a little asterisk uh, under this um, um, this approval, saying that if if the use is made to impersonate or or to replace or to take anyone's creativity and, and imitate it. Um, this is not allowed under these um, very major or, or broad approvals. So we do see a trend of regulators around the world saying that um, it is okay to scrape uh, online data and, and to train models um, of anyone's IP, but you could not do so if you, if you want to compete with any specific creator's um, uh, creation or um specific um uh professional performance it seems to me that this is this small asterisk that you just mentioned it's in order to cover the companies but i don't know how would that work because generative ai creating these images these audio songs the this like text whatever it could be a book it could be a poet it just could be an answer from an expert whatever it will replace these people. We already see people being replaced if they're like in admin, if they're in support, if they're in maybe sometimes sales. It's like, this is what's gonna, and of course with creators, you don't need photographer, you don't need photos, stock photos anymore. You don't need um, um, copywriters, marketing writers, you don't need them, right? right. So. You could say like that there is this asterisk you cannot replace them, but it's already being replaced. Yeah, but but there's a I think a major difference between um, using these tools for um, these kind of uses, uh, this broad uh, sort of use for content creation. Um, I don't know SEO or um, um, uh, script marketing, writing. advertising. Yeah. Any of these kind of use broadly, you could uh, use these kind of, of uh, tools to create these kind of content. But if you try to uh, interfere with any specific, any natural person's um, uh, profession, um, you know, there's there's now a class action uh, filed by a group of creators and led by a famous comedian um, in the U.S. Um, so if, if you're trying to make use of these tools to imitate and interfere with a specific, let's say, this comedian, uh, you're training a model and, and asking and prompting it to create specific um, 
jokes and, and uh, stand-up uh, script um, to be similar as uh, this uh, comedian's um, um, type of, of, uh, of, of, of show. So if you're trying to imitate and, and interfere with this specific person's uh, work, you are exposed to, you know, she could potentially sue you personally and, and, and claim that um, you are trying to, um, you're trying to compete with her and, and use these tools for, uh, specifically to, um, to compete with, uh, with, with what she's doing. So these specific uses are, are uh, prohibited for now. But if we're talking about uh, more broadly of, of the uh, you know, stand-up comedy, you could potentially ask these tools to provide you a script for a comedy show and no one will, will, uh, will have a right to prevent you from doing that because... But what I'm saying, like right now, where are you going to GPT or to MeJourney or to Dali or whatever? You could say, create a, a photo uh, like any Leibovich. You could say, write me a song um, or a, a play like Shakespeare. You could, like you say, act as Joe Rogan and write the intro for the podcast, right? You could do that. And, and nobody knows that because maybe it sounds a bit like I imitated his words, but I could do it uh, manually with my brain. I could just listen to the way he says it. Nobody knows that I use these tools or not. So it's very hard as long as you don't go to the, to the origin and go to, I know, ChatGPT, show me all the interaction that you had with this person and we're related to privacy and all that. But how could you know that they use these tools in order to create that? Right. That, that's a um, that, that's a very good question because um, the, um, the 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 proof would be very hard to to um, uh, to be um, received. But I, I think that if you are trying to um, um, to to benefit from these kind of um, of creation, you could potentially be uh, sued by the specific author or specific creator saying that um, uh, trying to ask the court to prohibit you from um, from sending out these um, um, these creations because people are are uh, mistakenly thinking that you're uh, you're this person and and uh, you you will be benefiting and gaining income um, um, on you know, based on on his creativity. So, this 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 is a very good question, and and I think we're about to see very interesting cases in the future of uh, people trying to benefit from you know the reputation and creativity of specific uh, creators, um, and it'll be very interesting to see how could um, regulators and courts. Uh, and and the specific uh, these specific creators could um, could argue uh, against uh, these kind of uses, and I think this is this relates to a wider a wider question of uh, the whole IP world. I think is about to 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 change, and I think the uh, the way we are we're now uh, used to see it as you know I have my my rights and and there's IP protection about my materials and my creation. And if someone wants to use my creation, he needs to 
to license it or pay me any royalties um, of any use he makes. Um, and now, as you said, um, the options for, for using my creativity are, are much wider and easier. Um, so, and, and I won't be uh, specifically able to locate any uh, any inf infringement because potentially anyone could could ask these tools to create um, new materials out of my reputation or based on my creativity. Um, right. How could I uh, actually go to to each uh, of these infringers and 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 ask for royalties? That that's practically impossible. So right. I think I think the model will change um, more, and it'll go to a direction saying that if the uh, the model, including my uh, my um, my work and my creations, wants to include these into uh, and digest it into his uh, the, this model, um, so the model creator creators will be um, responsible for asking my, my permission. And paying me some sort of royalty, and and we already see uh, companies that go into this direction. There's actually an, an Israeli company called uh, Bria.ai, um, which are developing um, uh, um, that a very large dat database of um, of images, um, and it's it's based on only licensed materials. So anyone's anyone using these um, uh, data sets to train models can <clears throat> can potentially be um, be assured that any use is is licensed and um, the consequence of and, and the um, and the content created by these models is is okay to use because um, all, all data included in in the um, in the digestion of, of this model was um, was approved and, and accepted by uh, mm. the original creators. So we, mm. I think, I, we, I I've I've worked with Bria, and the CEO was one of my interviewees here, yeah. and and it's it's a very specific use case that they took the data from specific like origins or, but I think that. What we're talking about is laws against like using an API with AI without uh, permission for the IP or the data protection or something that is related to the impact uh, of what they're doing. But when we're talking about generative AI, it seems to me that the impact would be so much wider. We're talking about the workforce or uh, changing the lifestyle even, or even trust that could you trust what you see because you cannot really trust what you see. So all of these implications, how could governments or regulators even take them into consideration, right? Yeah, so, so we, we're, we're seeing, uh, um, we're seeing uh, governments trying to avoid or trying to um, mitigate as much as possible the consequences of, of these actions. And, and you know, the, um, the, the very, um renowned one is the uh eu ai act which is now in final stages of um of deployment and um it, it was already published and and now uh undergoing uh, uh last discussion between uh european authorities before it, it, it uh be published um so this kind of of regulations and we also see it in china 
and also um, see it in, in a different form in the US, uh, not as a very uh, strict and wide regulation, but uh, as some sort of um, some sort of blueprint or uh, recommendations of the White House. So regulators uh, say that we do see potential harm um, in a very wide um, uh, wide way, and we want to avoid it by by having uh, um, having these uh, sort of companies implement um, and and have um, have government uh, rules against um, the, conse the the harmful consequences. So uh, if we if we we'll take the EU AI Act as an example, um, this sets um, different uh, different levels of um, of harm when when talking about consequences of AI tools. So there's the unacceptable unacceptable harm level, which is strictly prohibited unless you're you're a government. Um, and doing these unacceptable harm uh, to protect, um, you know, the, the livelihood and, and protect the security of your citizens. Um, so that's um, the the first uh, stage, which is strictly prohibited. And then there's the high risk um, uh, uses, which which could potentially involve um, any discriminatory uh, use of AI tools, which is heavily regulated and, and for um, deploying or um, creating these uh, AI tools, you need to register with the European authorities. You need to be uh, heavily regulated. You need to regulate yourself um, and to show uh, that you um, that you mitigated all, all associated risks uh, to show the authorities and, and be subject to auditing. Um, so these regulations try to, uh, as widely as possible, try to uh, expect uh, the, the consequences and to prevent them by, uh, by saying um, you, you, can't, uh, you can't do it, even if the um, intentions are very good, if potentially uh, your tool is about to be used uh, and, and, and could potentially lead to a uh, harmful situation, you you are uh, exposed to very large fines. You're exposed to um, audits. You need to cooperate with the authorities, and um, very basically, you you can't do what you do unless you take into account all of the yeah. regulations when um, when um, trying to um, to develop your, your product or uh, deploy it. So we do see regulators run um, and, and go to this place of saying you're not allowed uh, to do these kind of things. But um, to your point, I don't think that um, the the mere point of replacing um, any anyone's job uh, as a consequence of um, the capabilities of these tools, uh, this is not uh, very much considered as high risk because uh, everyone need, need to know that uh, the world is, is changing and you know manual work is going to be replaced um, and will eventually need to be 
uh, more creative and more innovative in order to retain our jobs. Um, but if, if there's something associated with these tools, which could be potentially harmful, such as, um, you know, uh, scanning faces like in order to fake prevent news you from entering or... anywhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, you, you know, uh, etc. We did not talk about too much about ethics, and I know that there are tools that would decide who's going to get a job or who's going to be fired in, in big organizations based on, on their data. And their data, of course, as assuming being is, is biased. And uh, I think that the implications is much wider than what we're considering right now in, in these like rules, and maybe in the future they will change. But I want to go back to someone who's building that or thinking about adding AI to their tool, to their company, using these tools. So what would you advise them? What would be the things that they have to consider? Or what? What? let's say I'm a, an, an entrepreneur. I'm calling you and telling you, okay, we're building a generative AI tool right now. And we just want to make sure that we're not going to get sued or we'd have problems in two years. What would right. you tell them? So, so first of all, as a good lawyer, I, I would tell them nothing uh, protects you from, from being sued because anyone can claim whatever they want. But if you want to make sure you're, you're on the right path, um, you need to have a process in place. And we're now in a, in a very strange era um, and, and we're all learning of, of what are the new regulations and what are the consequences and what are the potential uh, risks and harms, etc. But if you have a process in place of exploring the risks and assessing um, the potential risks of, of any use uh, your end users will, will uh, eventually be able to do, and how should you mitigate it? Um, and if you implement this kind of process at, at the very first beginning, uh, very similar to the privacy, uh, uh, privacy by design concept, you need to have a, a, a risk-based risk approach when designing your, your product. So if you'll take into, uh, these uh, relevant risks <clears throat> into consideration from, from the very first beginning, <clears throat> so even if you'll, uh, you'll find out that eventually the risks are, are higher or um, you, you receive you know, claims around um, the, the potential risks or, or harmful users derived from your code, if you have these uh, risk mitigation measures in place from the first, first beginning, you, you'll find it very um, or more easy to, to replace and repair um, when finding anything, um, uh, any, any consequence you, you, didn't, um, you didn't want to, to achieve. So I think the, the, the number one tip uh, from, for entrepreneurs is have a risk process in place and know your, uh, your product and think of um, the consequences of these kind of use. You know, you, you, you could uh, potentially prepare to only what you know now, but uh, it's much better to be prepared for the worst and, um, and have a, a very good process of mitigation in place risk mitigation and, and risk assessment um, in order to prepare yourself for one, for the regulation and two, to avoid um, any potential claims. So, you know, risk 
uh, risk mitigation process is a, is a very wide concept. But um, today uh, we know we know of very good materials and, and suggestions out there um, in the in the internet. Um, and when when we'll have a, a, a definitive or or a final draft of the AI Act, we will also have uh, very specific um, recommendations for, for for entrepreneurs how to avoid uh, regulatory risk and how to uh, assess their tools uh, to avoid uh, falling into the unacceptable uh, harms or or high risk use of uh, the AI Act, which which will potentially be, I think, the, um, uh, the the tone for all regulators. So that's mm -hmm. I think um, uh, the 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 first um, tip I'll I'll give any any entrepreneur thinking of uh, getting into this. Uh, yeah. Wow. So I, I have like a few more questions, but we don't, we're out of time. So where, where could people hear more about your work and contact you? Um, so um, the, the very first place is LinkedIn, of, of course. Um, I also, I'm also active on Twitter. Um, so I'll, I'll be very uh, much happy to hear thoughts and, and feedbacks uh, from all of the audience. Um, yes, that's, that's basically sure. it. Sure. So Omer, it's been a pleasure to talk to talk to you. And I, I learned a lot. And I just think about all the pressure that entrepreneurs already have. And now adding all this like additional thoughts and consideration to their mind when they're creating these tools is really important. And, and thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And to all of you change makers out there, thank you for joining us. And if you found this episode valuable and insightful, you're invited to share it. And I'll see you next week with another innovative, insightful talk. See ya. Bye-bye.